With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hey, prayer warriors. Welcome to Prayer Warriors Needed because prayer warriors are needed. And this is the call where we come together to pray, worship the most high God. And uh, we welcome people who want to pray. I haven't been here a while. I have, you know, just got really caught up. And I thank God for my praying sisters that encouraged me because I was, you know, just uh, overwhelmed with just so much stuff and hypocrisy. And sometimes everything just gets to you and, you know, and that's what I went through. And I just thank God for my praying sisters that encouraged me to get back on my job and give God honor and praise. So today... We're looking at how we got our Bible, the origin of the Bible. It's a new book, Training for Service, Basic Bible Overview for Every Christian. Uh, it's a Bible study book, and um, it's my first day, so I'm going to take a look at it. It looks a little interesting. Again, interesting. Again, the topic is how we got our Bible, the origin of the Bible. So. That's what we're looking at today. I'll open up with prayer, and then I'll ask my prayer some prayer warriors to pray, and then we'll move right into the Bible study. God, we just give you the praise, Heavenly Father. We magnify your name, God. We glorify you. We thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for all you've done, all you're going to do. Thank you, God, for where you brought us from and where you're bringing us to, Heavenly Father. God, we may not understand everything, but we do know that you are all sovereign, all powerful. Ooh, somebody's tongue. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, that background noise is, yeah. So, but God, we just thank you so much, Heavenly Father. I thank you for my praying sisters, Heavenly Father, each and every one of them, those who can move beyond, move beyond the unnecessary uh, static that comes with this program. But God, I thank you for letting us know that we need each other and we don't have to beg to have each other. We can come together because we know we need each other. And God, unified prayer, organized prayer, praying with people is sure better than just praying alone. So we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, God, for a spirit of humility and humbleness able to humble ourselves to know that phone, that phone, the phone, the phone. Wow. That's a heavy background. God, we just exalt your name and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to take over in this lesson. Let us leave here with information and knowledge that we did not have previously. We're looking at the origin of the Bible. It's a perspective, a new Bible study I had purchased. I'm uh, looking for a Bible program to buy. I missed the program I had. It was, I really enjoyed it. And um, I just thank you, Heavenly Father, for bringing us, wow, bringing us through another uh, New Year's coming up. God, you didn't have to do it, but you did. I give you honor and praise for our elders. I thank you for my mother, God. 
I thank you, God, for covering her from head to toe. I thank you, God, for giving her another birthday that's coming up. God, I give you all the praise and the glory. I thank you, God, for using her to raise us up in the word of God, especially when life begins to turn, we had something to fall on, to hold on to. I give you the praise, Heavenly Father, that you kept my mother well rooted in the word of God, and I ask you, God, to use me to be well rooted in the word of God and help me, God, to get to that next level that you would have me to get to, and each and every one of us, particularly my targeted individual brothers and sisters, who cannot understand how did they get targeted, you know, just put in a, like a, a demonic assassination program. But we know that you're a God that sits high and looks low. And if you allowed it, you allowed it for a reason. And God, we just thank you because probably without the program, because of our own naiveness, stupidity, whatever you want to call it, we may not even be in the land of the living. So, God, we give you the praise and the glory that we have a chance to live out the destiny that you created us for, lining us up for the work of God, Heavenly Father. God, I just praise you. I glorify you. I magnify you. And I thank you for all you've done, God. I thank you for every rescue you brought me through, Heavenly Father. I thank you, God, for every weapon you removed. I thank you, God, for opening windows that no demon from the pit of hell can close. I thank you, God, for keeping each and every one of us out of the demonic, eugenic hospitals. I thank you, God, for covering my mother, Anne's mother, Amy's mother, our three elders, God. I thank you, God, for covering them. And I thank you, God, for giving them daughters with knowledge and wisdom to be an appropriate guardian over their parents, to be able to do the work of God and shield and protect our parents, God, from this horrific program. God, I just pray for the demons that are running this program, God, that you will make sure that they fully understand that you are all sovereign, that you are the creator of them all, and that their time is coming, God. And I ask you, God, for every plot and plan they have to obstruct, sabotage, or interfere in any of our lives, that it will, the plot will be broken from head to toe. And I praise you and I exalt you, Heavenly Father. I ask you, God, to lead this Bible lesson. Give us a little more understanding on the origin of the Bible. I praise you. I exalt you. And I thank you for the upcoming week we have coming before us, God. And I ask you, God, to be with us, direct our path, guide us, lead us in everything we do, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the birthday my mother's has coming up. I thank you for the get-together I'm planning, and I ask you, God, to let it be a very smooth transition. Any plan of Satan, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Plots, plans to deter, sabotage, harass, interfere, I send it to the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. And I just praise you, God, for your miraculous power. I praise you, God, for being the God of the impossible. I thank you, God, for being the God of miracles. I thank you, God, for making a way when it looked like there would be no way. I thank you, God, for our young people that love you, God. And I thank you, God, for the young people that are doing the work of God. And I ask you, God, to pull them in, to let them pull all the young people in. God, I ask you to cover my nephews, Elijah Scott, I call blessed. Haru Scott, I call blessed. I ask you, God, to cover them from head to toe in all that they do, Lord. Watch over them. I bind and rebuke any satanic plot and plans over their lives. And those attacks, I thank you for delivering EJ from them. 
I thank you, God, for opening up the windows of heaven and giving him a job and being able to move on. And I thank you for every minister that showed an interest in helping him, Heavenly Father. And I thank you, God, for those ministers that are just doing your work here to encourage us, Heavenly Father, whether it be their tapes, their videos, their words. I just thank you, God, for righteous people. God, I just praise you. I exalt you and I magnify your name. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, to leave this Bible study and let us leave here with information and knowledge we did not have previously. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, go ahead. And then, Ann. Dear Heavenly Father, the Lord of the world, the beneficent, the merciful, the master there recorder, do the weak do the weak deceit, sorrow, God is in the right path, the path upon those who bestow favors, not upon those that wrath has been brought down upon them. You're not coming in too clear. You're not coming in too clear. It's just not coming in clear. Okay, dear Heavenly Father. Wait a minute. That's better. Dear Heavenly Father, the Lord of the world, thee do we serve, thee do we beseech for help. Guide us on the right path, the path upon those who bestow its favors, not upon those thy wrath has been brought down upon them. After hearing thou teaching and mastering it and taking the world astray anyway, we thank you, God, for doing the miraculous things that is yet to be done by the path that is already ordered in our day for certain certain spiritual warriors to walk in to their destiny unbeknown to them, regardless if they know it or not, they must walk into their destiny to help change the world and manifest the changes that you have said that is going to take place in the book of Revelation beyond anyone's understanding and imagination, and no one could stop that day from coming because it must come because, God, you said it is totally impossible for you to lie. And because of that, I am waiting with the rest of the ones who steadfast and unmovable and know that the race is not given to the swift, but who can endure to the end? No matter what kind of pain they suffer, we must endure as the as the ones who is about to inherit the kingdom, for the kingdom is within. Don't look here and for there and for with outward, but look within, because it is the kingdom starts with the mind, and from there the illuminations of the world will take place. At that hour, second of any of that any given moment that you said is like a twinkling of an eye, and no one could could predict that day is coming because you said you coming like a thief, and if you ain't ready, don't get caught with your works undone. I mean.
Amen. 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 And Annie. And and I'm going to close. I'm going to call how to close us out. All right. How we got our Bible, origin of the Bible, divine source. It is reasonable to assume that a loving God would communicate to humankind and he, that he would place his communication in an objective form that could be handed down and preserved from generation to generation. It is also reasonable to believe that by explaining purported holy books, a book truly from God would stand out from among them. Other books make these cases, but through this study, you will most likely be strengthened in the conviction that the Bible is divine in its source and is unlike any other book. Human writers, who and when. Today, we often use the word prophet to refer to someone who tells the future. But in the biblical sense, a prophet is someone who speaks or writes a message from God. God used about 40 such prophets in writing the Bible over a period from approximately 1400 B.C. to A.D. 100. Oh, boy. I messed up one of my lines. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. I wonder what they're they doing to this phone. Okay. Okay. Let me just try to keep it going. Um, source, all right. So, but in the biblical sense, a prophet is someone who speaks or writes a message from God. God used about 40 such prophets in writing the Bible over a period from approximately 1400 B.C., to A.D. 100, source of the content. Some of the writers simply passed on what God had told them as when Moses wrote the law, Deuteronomy 31:24, or when preaching prophets proclaimed their messages, Nahum 1-1, Habakkuk 1-1, Zephaniah 1-1, to name a few. Some of them <clears throat> wrote what they had seen as when disciples of Jesus recorded what was done in their presence, Second Peter 1.16, 1 John 1, verses 1 to 3. Some sought out trustworthy historical accounts. Moses wrote centuries after the events found in the book of Genesis, so he certainly may have used sources dating from those days. Luke was not an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus, but wrote only after careful research, Luke 1.1. Paul included words commonly recited or sung in the early church, 1 Corinthians 15.3. But in every case, all of them were guided by a single mind, the mind of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Peter 1.21. Incidental content, just as authors do today, these human writers made references to other writings and sayings of the day, 2 Samuel 1.18, Jude 14.50. That does not mean that everything in those 
sources is inspired and is equal to scripture. Jesus, for example, quoted a children's song in Matthew eleven seventeen in Proverbs about predicting the weather, Matthew sixteen two. Paul even quoted an inscription from an idol in the words of pagan poets to make his point, Acts seventeen twenty three and twenty eight. Cultural references show that the books were written at the time the events occurred, not centuries later. They were preserved through centuries. This lesson is a study of how the Bible has been transmitted to us after it was written. How do we know the Bible we have today is the word as originally written? Two. God inspired the original writers so that they could not make mistakes. But both copyists and translators could and did make errors, since many ancient manuscripts and translations have been preserved, we can find when these mistakes have been made. Ancient manuscripts and versions. While we have no part of the Bible in the handwriting of the original authors, We have two kinds of sources which we can learn what they wrote. These are manuscripts and versions. Definition of manuscripts. Manuscripts are documents written by hand. Before printing was invented, this was the only way of producing books. We have no Bible manuscripts written by the original authors but we have thousands of copies written by hand in the same language they use. And then we have a version is a translation of any document into another language. Some ancient versions were translated from manuscripts older than any we now have. Therefore, they help us to know just what the original writers wrote. The Old Testament scriptures, manuscripts. The Old Testament books were written in the Hebrew language between 1400 B.C. and 400 B.C. They were collected and preserved by the priesthood. After the last Old Testament prophet, Malachi, a group of priests we call the scribes, painstakingly copied, preserved, and studied these manuscripts. Until the middle of the 20th century, the oldest Old Testament manuscripts available were the Mosaic texts, copies made by a group of Jews known as Masoretes between the 7th and 10th centuries A.D. But in 1947, scrolls written around 100 B.C. were discovered. These Dead Sea scrolls agree with the Masoretic text showing the remarkable accuracy with which they were preserved and copied. Versions. The oldest version of the Old Testament is a Greek version called the Septuagint, pronounced Septuagint, from the Latin word for 70. This name was given because The translation was made by about 70 scholars in Alexandria, Egypt, around 250 B.C. Ancient versions in Syriac, Egyptian, Ethiopic, Armenian, and other languages also exist. That's the Old Testament scriptures. Now, the New Testament scriptures, manuscripts, 
All the books of the New Testament were written in Greek during the first century after Christ. Shortly after they were written, churches began to collect manuscripts of Paul's letters and other writings with what they recognized through the Holy Spirit working within them to be inspired. Early church councils would later confirm which books and letters were part of the New Testament, but they were not creating the New Testament canon collections. They were simply affirming what was known as the book what was known as the books were written. Manuscripts were written on papyrus, pressed pulp of reeds, and later on on animal skins. Wow. Because of the delicate nature of papyrus, only fragments of the earliest manuscripts exist today. A fragment of papyrus known as Ryland's Library Papyrus was discovered in 1920. The P-52 contains portions from the Gospel of John and the oldest New Testament portion known today. It was copied around A.D. 125, less than 40 years after John wrote his Gospel. Parchment, animal skin manuscripts were collected and bound into books called codices. The earliest manuscript collections are Codex, Synoticus, and Codex Vaticanus, and are both from around AD 350. In all, over 5,000 complete or fragmented Greek manuscripts exist, a testimony of how well the New Testament has been preserved and accurately copied. Those are the manuscripts, not the versions. The Bible was translated into Syriac and called the Peshitta, meaning the simple version. This probably occurred in the first half of the second century, shortly thereafter. The Greek was translated into Latin. A more careful Latin version was completed about A.D. 400, translated by Jerome and called the Vulgate, which means common or popular. This version became the official Bible of the Roman Catholic Church and of Western Europe, probably in the 3rd and 4th centuries. Versions were made also in Coptic, Egyptian, Gothic, Ethiopic, and Armenian, made from very ancient manuscripts. All of these help us to be sure the Bible we have is essentially the same as the original writing. It also shows the desire of the church from the earliest days to have a translation of the Bible that is easily understood by all. English versions, the old English versions. There were people in the British Isles in the early days of the church, but the English language developed later. There was an early need for God's word in native tongue. In, 19, in 735, then at the point of death, finished this oh, Anglo-Saxon, I guess that's someone in 735 BD, then at the point of death, he finished his translation of John's gospel into Anglo-Saxon, one of the languages from which English developed. 
I thought Anglo-Saxon was a race, and I looked that up. And then two, Middle English. In the 11th century, William of Normandy conquered England. In the course of time, the Norman French language blended with the Anglo-Saxon to become what is sometimes called Middle English. About 1380, Wycliffe and his co-workers translated the Bible into Middle English from the Latin Vulgate, which was the official Bible of the church in that time. The Roman Catholic Church denounced Wycliffe as a heretic. And then early modern English in 1525 was William Tyndall, who became the first to translate directly from the original Greek and Hebrew. Miles Coverdale translated the scriptures in 1535 from the Vulgate and Luther's German translation using Tyndall's work to guide him. Other translations followed all strongly influenced by Tyndale because the printing press was in use, the scriptures were distributed more widely than ever before. And opposition grew from those demanding that the Vulgate be the only acceptable translation. The Roman Catholic Church executed Tyndale as a heretic. Many Mary Tudor came to the throne and brought England again under the power of the Roman Church, persecuting Protestants so strongly as to earn the name Bloody Mary. Wow. Some of the best English scholars scholars fled to continental Europe. In Geneva in 1560, William Whittington and others completed the Geneva Bible based largely on earlier English versions. It was dedicated to Mary's more tolerant successor, Elizabeth I. Some of the Geneva Bible offended the bishops of the Church of England They responded by publishing the Bishop Bible in 1568. Though through the rest of the 16th century, the clergymen used the Bishop's Bible, but the Geneva Bible was preferred by many of the people, especially the Puritans, who were intent on reforming the church. The Geneva Bible was the first English translation used in colonial America. The rise in popularity of English translations helped convince the Catholic Church to prepare a translation. The Doughty Rhymes Bible was translated from the Vulgate and completed in 1610. It is still considered the English Bible of choice by traditional Catholics. Then the King James Version was created in 1604. King James appointed a committee of 54 scholars to prepare a new version. They followed the Bishop's Bible except where they thought changes were needed. But they consulted other English translations, the German translation, the Greek, and the Hebrew text, the Syriac, and the Septuagint, and several Latin versions. The result of their labor was the King James Version. It was published in 1611, and it is still the most used Bible in the English language.
in their revised versions. Any living language is constantly changing. Many words used in the King James Version, such as meetings, besom, and whisk, are now almost unknown. Other words have changed their meanings. For example, let Romans 113 formerly meant to hinder, but now it means to permit. Wow. Conversation now means talk. But to the English people of King James Day, it meant behavior. Also, older and presumably more reliable Greek manuscripts not available to King James Version translators had since been discovered. In the course of centuries, therefore, scholars began to see a need to revise the King James Version. In 1885, a committee of 51 British scholars assisted by 32 Americans, they produced the revised version. In 1901, the American members of the committee brought out the American Standard Version, introducing some variations more in accord with the American usage of English. Then we have modern English versions. Translations of ancient languages is more than substituting each word for another. First of all, a language no longer in use has to be learned by comparing ancient manuscripts in that language. In that way, scholars learn multiple meanings of words and figures of speech. Also, different languages are different word order in sentences. An interlinear translation, which places the Greek or Hebrew text on a line with the English equivalent right below, it shows the differences in sentence structure between languages. An interlinear translation would render the familiar first words of John 3.16. So for love, the God, the world that the Son only begotten gave. It is obvious that true translation is more than decoding, but there are differing ideas to what makes the the best Bible translation. Formal equivalence. This type of translation attempts to substitute English words for their Hebrew or Greek counterparts as much as possible while placing the words as readable English sentence structure. Dynamic equivalence. Other scholars believe that the best translations are not word for word, but rather thought for thought. A dynamic Equivalent translation will try to keep the paragraph order the same, but will not show concern for one-to-one correspondence of words. A dynamic equivalent translation that may group verses together and use modern idioms is generally called a paraphrase. Optimal equivalent. Both of the above ideas have merits and drawbacks. Optimal equivalence describes a translation that tries to balance between both theories of translation in order to most accurately convey the meaning of the text without taking liberties with the original language. And this will be the last. Oh, that was it. Okay, more modern English versions. Okay. Um... All right, the Bible is unique because it alone is authored by anybody? 
The Bible is unique because it alone is authored by who? God. God is correct. Excellent. Um, I have to go back to this for this one. We can go back. About how many human authors wrote the Bible over a period of roughly blank years? Let's see. About how many human authors wrote the Bible? Um, about human writers. Today we often use the word prophet. Didn't say forty. Huh? Source of the content. Let's you say forty. Forty. Um, I'm looking now. Ancient manuscripts. It should be here. Human. Let's see. Today we often use the word prophet to refer to someone who tells it, but in the biblical sense, a prophet is someone who speaks. Or a written message from God. God used about excellent Goldman, Goldman, Amy. God used about forty such prophets in writing the Bible over a period from approximately fourteen hundred BC to AD one hundred. Forty is correct, Amy. Excellent. Yeah, about forty authors wrote the Bible over a period of roughly blank years. Well, that that we I'm not going to estimate the years, but it says uh, how many years from 14 BC to AD 100, 1400 BC to AD 100. I don't know how many years that is, but it's a lot. All right, most of the Old Testament was written in blank, while most of the New Testament was written in um, most of the Old Testament. While we have no part of the Bible in the handwriting of the original authors, we have two kinds of sources from which we can learn what they wrote. These are manuscripts and versions. Okay, so the question is, uh, most of the Old Testament was written in blank, while most of the New Testament was written in, okay. Manuscripts, the Old Testament books were written in the Hebrew language between 1400 B.C. and 400 B.C. Okay. So uh, they were collected and preserved by the Jewish priesthood after the last Old Testament prophet Malachi group of priests we call the scribes painstakingly copied, preserved, and studied these manuscripts. So, uh, okay, they tell us most of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew or most of the New. uh, It didn't say most, though. Most of the the Old Testament books were written in the Hebrew language between 1400. It just tells us that time period. Mm. That's why I told them I wanted an answer, King. Uh, We'll take a look here. All right, let's see. All right, so if we say that most of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, let's say, and then most of the New Testament, let's see what we have here, manuscript. Also, the books of the New Testament were written in Greek. Oh, amazing. During the first century after Christ. So in the beginning, the Old Testament, wow, was mostly written in Hebrew. And then the New Testament was written in Greek. I didn't know that. Did you know that, Amy? Well, our teacher told us in, in African history, civilization. I forgot the number, but anyway, he said that the Greeks depended on the the people in ancient Kemet, 
to help them shape their history. Yeah, yeah, because the, that the the that would be the Hebrews from the um, Old Testament. Yeah. Because they are not, they didn't give the the original people the credit for making the perfect calendar. They modified it after the original people had gave them the insight on how the calendar go because their calendars was off balance. Really? Yes. I provide that. I'll send you that information. Okay. Well, that's good to know. All right. They talked about three theories of Bible translations, and they're all called equivalents. So let's take a look at the three theories. They have the formal equivalents. This type of translation attempts to substitute English words for their Hebrew or Greek counterparts as much as possible while placing the words in a readable English sentence structure, so that's formal equivalence. Then we have dynamic equivalence. Other scholars believe that the best translations are not word for word, but rather thought for thought. A dynamic equivalence translation will try to keep the paragraph order the same, but will not show concern for one-to-one correspondence of words. A dynamic equivalence translation that may group verses together and use modern idioms is generally called a paraphrase. Okay, so the formal formal equivalence is word-for-word translation, and then the dynamic equivalence is a paraphrase. And then there's a third one. Huh? These are the... Well, the modern English versions. This is what they they use. It's either or, right. Then there's a third one, optimal equivalence. Both oh. of the above ideas have merits and drawbacks. Optimal equivalence describes a translation that tries to balance between both theories of translation in order to most accurately convey the meaning of the text without taking liberties with the original languages. So the optimal, okay, is when they use both of them, you know, try to use word for word and try to rephrase it, you know, paraphrase it too. Wow. And those are, that's from the modern English version. Translation of ancient languages is more than substituting each word for another. First of all, a language no longer in use has to be learned by comparing ancient manuscripts in that language. In that way, scholars learn multiple meanings of words and figures of speech. Also, different languages use different word order in sentences. So an interlinear translation, which places the Greek or Hebrew text on a line with the English equivalent right below it shows the differences in sentence structure between languages. An interlinear translation would render the familiar first words of John 3.16 as, so for love the God, the world that the Son only begotten gave. It is obvious that true translation, that's word for word, yeah. It is obvious that true translation is more than decoding. 
but there are differing ideas as to what makes the best Bible translation. And then that's why they have um, a chart showing popular translations and the type of translation each is can be found on page 13. Okay. Popular English Bible translations. So the King James Version, and it's dated in 1604. It began, and it was completed in 1611. And it went to, wow, 12th grade, grade level 12, it says, translation type. The King James Version is considered formal equivalence, meaning word for word. It is the most commonly used text of the King James Version. It's standard text of 1769. Then they go into the Douay Reims Bible, the American Standard Version, the Revised Standard Version, Living Bible, the New American Bible, Good News Translation, New International Versions, the New King James, the New King James, yeah, they use formal uh, equivalence. I think they would have been better with optimal using both. Then they have the message, then they have the New Living Translation, then they have the English Standard Version. Okay. How many many is that, five or six? How many versions of the, these are English Bible translations? They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wow. Popular English Bible translations, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the four. So that's also equivalent to twelve months too. Oh, okay, Miss Numerology. Mm-hmm. All right, this is another question. We have no Bible books in the handwriting of the authors. But we have two kinds of documents. What two kinds of documents do we have? I remember reading that. Oh. And again. Okay. Okay, I got your answer. Okay. We have no Bible books in the handwriting of the authors. What two kinds of documents do we have? distinguish between them and explain how they help us know what was in the books as they were originally written. Again, we have no Bible books in the handwriting of the authors. What two kinds of documents do we have? We have ancient excellent versions, right? It says, while we have no part of the Bible in the handwriting of the original authors, we have two kinds of sources from which we can learn what they wrote. These are manuscripts and versions. Manuscripts Uh, are documents written by hand before printing was invented. This was the only way of producing books. We have no Bible manuscripts written by the original authors, but we have thousands of copies written by hand in the same language they used. And then a version is a translation of any document into another language. Some ancient versions 
were translated from manuscripts older than we now have. Therefore, they help us to know just what the original writers wrote. Hmm, that's amazing. Yes, and that lets you know that the creator wasn't playing with making sure that we wasn't living in an ignorant world. Left trails of information behind. Let's look at one more question, yeah? Why was the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947 so significant? Let's see, I got that here. Until the middle of the 20th century, the oldest Old Testament manuscripts available were the Mesoretic texts, copies made by a group of Jews known as the Mesorites between the 7th and 10th centuries A.D. But in 1947, scrolls written around 100 B.C. were discovered. These Dead Sea Scrolls agreed with the Mesoretic text, showing the remarkable accuracy with which they were preserved and copied. So the Dead Sea Scrolls are important or significant because they had been found and then they agreed with the Old Testament scriptures that was already on hand, which were the Masoretes. You follow me? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. That again. Huh? Say it one more time. Okay. The question, why was the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947 so significant? Until the middle of the 20th century, the oldest Old Testament manuscripts available were the Masoretic texts. These were copies made by a group of Jews known as the Masoretes between the 7th and 10th centuries AD. But in 19... So in, in other words, the Old Testament scriptures, all they had was a, a text, was a scriptures, uh, a manuscript called the Masoretes. That's what they were using. And then in 1947, someone found these scrolls. And they were written from 100 B.C., from around 100 B.C. before Christ was discovered. And when they found them, they were amazed because they they're, they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls, but they agreed exactly with what the Masoretic text had showed. The Masoretic text showed the remarkable accuracy with which they were preserved and copied. So in other words, if we were putting a Bible uh, manuscript together, the Old Testament, okay, let's say we're doing our research and we're we taking, you know, all these other documents, you know, to, to put this Old Testament together, and then you come and say, Miriam, I found some scrolls. We like, bring them scrolls, girl. Let me see them scrolls. And when you bring those scrolls to me, I'm like, oh, my goodness. They match exactly what our Masoretic text, what they had already. When they found the scrolls, they had matched, So which, which let them know the, the manuscript, you know, was on point. Right. 
And that's a basic overview of the origin of the Bible. So we just thank you, Lord, for that information and knowledge about our Bible, the awesome Word of God. We thank you, God, for providing us with a manuscript, which is basically basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Bible being the oldest book on the earth. And we thank you, God, that we have a manual that gives us instruction and guidance, particularly reinforcement and confirmation that the only power over evil is the power of the Most High God. God, we just thank you for that Bible. Because when evil hits you, where would we be? Where would anybody be? You'd be feeling hopeless, like, oh, the devil, he don't want, he can do whatever he wants, but the Bible tells us otherwise. Right. The Bible tells us that he's a God that is all-sovereign, all-powerful. He's the God of impossibilities. He's the God of miracles. He's the God that's the same yesterday and the same today. And we thank you and we praise you, God. So no demon from the pit of hell is going to make us think that this sick program, eugenics, targeted individual, any of these programs, is going to last forever. Because we serve the creator that has the power to use his people. His people have to be ready to to make the changes on earth because God did leave us as the uh, fiduciaries, the leaders of this earth. So we just have to continue to pray that people line up into their destination power so that God can use them. Amen. Amy, go ahead. You want to pray some? And, And Ann, are you back, Ann? Annie, Annie, she wasn't feeling too well. Annie, remember she wasn't feeling well. Girl, let me tell you. When I was reading, they tried to put a toothache on me. Mm. Uh huh. But I kept on. Go ahead, Amy. I was trying to call Annie. I think Annie. I think she wasn't feeling well. Maybe her phone kept coming in. And plus, she was trying to, I guess, get us some type of relief from the pain. Yeah. 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 You want me to cut the tape off or you want to pray a little bit? I can cut the tape off and then we talk. Well, I want to pray too. Okay, go ahead. Dear God, thank you for us having a moment into studying. Studying is the best thing to know the things that we would like to know where we are curious about certain things. And you lay things out for us to be able to pick up the spiritual fruit 
and get full on it and understand what it is that we need versus us walking around here spiritually dead. God, thank you for the nation of Islam. Thank you for the righteous churches out there that's trying to do your will, but yet still not aware of these programs. God, give them the spiritual prayers and discernment to know what these programs are about and that the people did say what you had warned the people in the book of Revelations, that this is scanning in the forehead and mark of the beast, and that a lot of people cannot buy and trade without the mark of the beast, not even knowing that they're under the devil's rulership, thinking that these people are some godly people, when these are demon forces running the world. God, I'm asking you to take these demon forces out of the rulership of the throne, whatever they are doing to the people, bring it to a halt where these people not only will lose rulership, but allowing them to lose their lives for killing people. I mean. Amen. I, I just reiterate that prayer to remove them from the leadership positions in the name of Jesus. And let us let lot of them lose their life for taking life. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yep. Because they want to bring another generation of these demons up. So we gotta stop all that right now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.